This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Most Valuable Sports Podcast. Brandon Worth with you on this lovely Friday morning. We thank you so much for making us a part of your day as well as you making a great part of ours. We have a great show for you today. Fair State Sports Report, as always, covering the craziness about to happen this weekend, as well as some even more craziness that happened on Thursday night. Hoops to discuss. You make sure you can check that out, as well as my buddy Keith Richards will be joining us to discuss some NFL and NBA talk. going to be certainly fun. You can check out that end of the show with the time codes in the description, y'all. If you want to listen to something specific on our podcast, Look in our descriptions. We have time codes for you. All you have to do, go into the episode info, go down to the description, and at the bottom, time codes for y'all. Timestamps, you can literally click on the time and it will take you directly to that part of the episode. How cool is that? And of course, this is made spo- or made possible by our friends at Anchor and Spotify for hooking that up. Really cool feature and make sure that you check out those two platforms to potentially make your podcast today. Going into the Fair State Sports Report, beautifulness happened on Thursday night, starting in hoops. The women's game started it all off with fireworks. Gaten Blanchard, overtime game winner. What? Come on. That's crazy. What a win for Fair State women's hoops up against Northern Michigan. Final in that one, 68 to 66. In Marquette, what a great game for the dogs. Nine and one on the season now, three and zero in Gliac play. What a great game it was. And Caden Blanchard certainly was the spotlight, hitting the game winner, also going seven of eleven for twenty points, including four of seven from deep. It was a great overall team win. There was a lot of great things that came out of this game. We didn't shoot the ball as well as we normally had this well or normally this season. We shot the ball pretty well. Going into this game, we were 36% from the floor, 32 from beyond the arc, but we still got the job done and we certainly did it by just getting the grittiness and being able to counterattack very well. We had 13 fast break points. We did it very well off the bench as well. I mean, we really showed some some resiliency in this game. We knocked down the free throws. That made a huge difference. We were able to close out really well. Northern Michigan only shooting 23% from three, which is something that doesn't come by very often, especially being in your own gym. But, I mean, Northern Michigan certainly had a presence in the paint. I mean, it's one of the biggest keys out of this game. They, they really did a great job of attacking the hole and getting put back. So, I mean, when you look at this game all together on paper, it certainly seemed like it was a dogfight as predicted in the score. But I mean, this was a really fun game to see. I mean, just the fact that we saw that we got this game winner certainly provides a nice spark to the road trip. Definitely worth the trip up north to get that moment. So congrats to Caden and this team. Mallory McCartney had 14, Adrian Anderson, 12 points. Um, and McCartney also had eight boards. That definitely should be recognized. Adrian Anderson, 12 points with three boards. Chloe Adoni, 10 points, three rebounds. Zoe Anderson, four points and five rebounds. Ellie Dykstra had seven rebounds off the bench, as well as Maya Hiram with five off the bench as well in the board category. Great win for this team. Now on to Michigan Tech, who's going to be 
a tough competitive team. I mean, Michigan Tech has been a very good program for it's been it seems like the last couple of years they've just been nothing short of dominant. I mean, Ellie McKay has been one of the best players in Division Two altogether. That's going to be a fun matchup. Looking forward to see how our guards attack her. And I mean, this the women's team is looking really good right now. We're on a huge roll. We're looking to keep it going. And we got a tough task. It's going to be fun to see how this team responds against a team like Michigan Tech. That will be on Saturday. I believe the game will be, I believe, around 2 o'clock, if I want to if I want to say that correctly. So if you're up in Houghton, if you're a Dogs fan, go check out the women's basketball team. Um, 12 o'clock, I'm sorry, 12 o'clock. 2 o'clock would be the men's game. I apologize. I had those flipped around. But 12 o'clock up in Houghton, going to be a fun one. But speaking of the men's team going over to them, great win on Thursday night. And now ranked in the top 20, just like I predicted. Good to see there. Um, getting the win at Northern Michigan, 76 to 63, the final in that one. Really a good game for Walt. He had 20 points. Dorian Louie had 12. Ben Davidson was great off the bench. He was five of eight, two of three from deep, 16 points there. Ethan Erickson had 13, one of his best performances on the year, especially the fact that he had 13 points in 12 minutes, y'all. That's something that certainly should be recognized. But great win for the dogs on the men's side. They're now 8-1, and 3-0 in GLIAC play. Almost similar exact records to the women's team, but that just shows how dominant our programs are right now. It's really fun to see, but... I mean, overall, we did a great job defensively. Northern Michigan had trouble shooting the basketball, seemed like from opening tip on. I believe they only finished with 19% from three and 33% from the floor. Ouch, that's a good defensive effort. Only thing that was coming out of this game that is concerning, turnovers. You got to keep control of the ball. We've done a great job of going fast, especially back in the home games that I was able to watch. We, did, we do a great job. And I know Coach Bronco puts a huge emphasis on getting out and running with the basketball. And we do that at a very good rate. And I think that we are one of the best teams on the run because, I mean, we can shoot the lights out from anywhere on the floor. And that can certainly be used as a positive asset to this team. Just got to keep take, just take care of the basketball. That's all we got to do right now. If we can limit opposing possessions and not give any teams a second chance to try to get back into a game, that's going to be all huge for us, but they're going to be facing Michigan Tech, a team that has been very good this year so far. Um, and we're going to be looking forward to seeing how those teams will do squaring off right now. I believe Michigan Tech coming off of a win as well to Northern Michigan, but you know, it seemed like a much closer fashion, if I remember correctly, from only a couple of weeks ago. I believe it was only a one-point win. So not saying that there's a comparison to be made on the table, but if you use that comparison right there, it's a very winnable game for us. So they're coming off of a win against Lake Superior State as well. So we're going to be looking forward to seeing how this men's team does. They'll play at 2 o'clock. You can find out all the stats, live game, tweets, and more at www.ferrisstatebulldogs.com. Moving into the weekend slate of previews here. Got a lot to cover. I mean, we just mentioned the Michigan Tech games for hoops. Big Going to be some big games up at the SDC Gymnasium in Houghton. But we got some hockey as well. Hockey going to be going down to Bowling Green to round out their 2021 season. And it's going to be a fun win right now. The Dogs coming off of a huge home win up against the, excuse me, the Lake Superior Lakers 3-1 to on Saturday. Being able to flip the script was huge for this team. It really was a big time momentum booster. 
Because Coach Daniels said it really well in the postgame interviews a lot, throwing out that, that tough stretch that this team endured throughout the month of November. I mean, the fact of it is, this team hasn't been, they've been playing pretty well. They had been beating teams. I think I'm looking at every game on this schedule right here from that streak of, it seemed like, for, it seemed like it was such a long time, but the reality is we were beating a lot of these teams. We were beating them. I mean, we beat Minnesota State. We were beating Michigan State. We came back against Northern Michigan, and we should we should have had a good opportunity to beat Michigan Tech. The fact is we could have easily, on paper, at some point we were winning those games. If we finish out the game, we could split that entire stretch, and that would give us an additional, you could say, four wins on the season. And now you're looking at an, a 500 record. That's all it takes. That's that's how good the, this team is. Much better than it is on paper at five and 13. This is a much better team. But looking at Bowling Green, they're going to be a tough con. They're going to be a tough competition. They are oh, they're I believe they're five and oh actually. They are oh in the category of losses this year at home. They've been very well, really well playing at home in Ohio. So. That's going to be a tough atmosphere to play in. I mean, they usually pack around 2,300 people in the stands, which is, uh, I believe, probably about a 20, 25% increase of Ingle Glaben. So going to be a packed house for sure. Um, going to be nothing like Michigan Tech, though. That game was going to be, that game was pretty crazy by the fans' perspective. But, I mean, this is going to be a fun one. These, these are winnable games. I know we say that every time, but it truly is for how good this team is. I mean, Bowling Green tied Miami of Ohio early in the year and they only beat them six to four at home in the second game on, uh, I believe it was October 23rd. We had split with Miami. So there's a comparison right there that will support the chance for uh, a chance for the dogs to get the win. I mean, we're looking at a team in Bowling Green that they like to get opportunities on goal and they like to get them in large amounts. I believe they've had, I think I almost want to say about eight games this year that they've had over 25 shots. I would say even probably about five or six where they've gotten at least 30. They're a good offensive team. Uh, I mean, our buddy Cole Norris is there now that played with the dogs last year and he's done a great job for them. So, I mean, going to be a nice reunion. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we would love to send them. We'd love to send Cole a little, uh, a little thank you. Um, but, here, take the yell on the way out type of deal like we gave to Jake Willits. So that would be pretty cool. I'm really looking forward to this game. I think that our team, we've done great in the scenarios that we're not supposed to do great in. I know I've mentioned this on the show a lot, but I mean, the fact of it is, is like at one point, I know Joe mentioned, uh, my co-host Joe, um, if you're wondering where he is today, he's moving houses, ladies and gentlemen. He is getting into his new home all settled in. Uh, I mean, it certainly seems like a cool time for him. He's super excited and we miss him, of course, on the show and he'll be back next week. But I know one of the things that he mentioned was we were the, one of the best teams in Division One when it comes with shorthanded goals. I mean, those are those are the chances that you're on paper, theoretically, mathematically, statistically not supposed to have a chance in as far as scoring. I mean, we've got five on the year and we've gotten a couple over the, the last month. So if we get put in a situation that we seem to find ourselves in more than, of course, our team would like as far as getting on the penalty kill, I mean, we've done great as overall. I mean, I think we're at 78%. That's good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's amazing. Obviously, everything could be improved. But, I mean, as far as this conference goes, I mean, this is such a tough conference, guys. I mean, we're talking about a couple teams in the CCHA that 
have been literally one of the best teams in the country. I mean, Minnesota State's ranked at the top of the list at number one right now, and we were able to beat them. So that's, of course, something that you're going to be certainly looking at. But uh, I mean, we're looking to see a great game. This is going to be fun. I think we're going to be in the position to see a potential win. I think we'd certainly have the capability to do so. But I mean, then at the end of the day, it's all about who shows up on the given day. So we're going to be very interested to find out. But we got to hold off the penalties. We really got to hold off the penalties. We're the number one team in the conference in penalties in minutes at 270. The next closest, I believe, is Lake Superior at 232. So if we can hold off the penalties, then we can get ourselves in good shape. But at the end of the day, we do score really well shorthanded. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a, oh, kind of a, I wouldn't call it a win win, but we got it. We got to give teams no extra chances to put the puck in the net. That's what's been killing us. We limit those. We could be in great shape, but both teams is going to be a fun game. Both teams have done a great job um, just being able to score the puck. Bowling Green's definitely done better at defensively not allowing opponents to get the puck in the net, but going to be fun. Those games will be at Bowling Green on Friday and Saturday. I believe it's a seven o'clock puck drop on Friday and a six o'clock on Saturday. I'm checking that as we speak. Um, no, both at seven. I lied. Both at seven. Wrong again on the times. I apologize, guys. Been a long morning so far here on Friday. Not used to this, but hey, we're still we're still getting the job done. But finally, to wrap up the Fair State Sports Report, the big one coming down on Saturday. What a fun football game this one's going to be. Fair State taking on Shepard after the redraw last week. What would have been School of Mines has now turned into Shepard and the Rams. What a fun football game this is going to be. Two of the top offensive teams in point scoring categories in entire Division II nation and even in the country. They got a great offense right now looking on paper on the Shepard team. Ronnie Brown's definitely been a bright spot. Ty Huburn's been a great running back for them as well. Complimentary. Tyson Padgett's one of the best Division II quarterbacks in the country. Throw for over 4,700 yards, 52 touchdowns. Their defense has been all right. They've given up some points. There's no question about that. But they're definitely still beatable, guys. We've done impossible tasks before. We've done it. A lot of people said that a second game against Grand Valley this year was going to be troubling. And we know how that game ended up. Blowout. Northwest Missouri State was supposed to slow us down. They didn't. We slowed them down. It's 41 to 20 in the cold with 4,000 fans in attendance, which is remarkable. We've done it before, guys. Share the video. Rock the top one more time. Our last chance to see these guys play at Top Taggart for the seniors, the last one ever. We've packed it before. 6,600 people at Finley, or against Finley, I should say. About the same against Davenport. And you guys even took anchor fan seats away at Lubbers to fit 17,000 people for what was one of the greatest football games I have ever witnessed in my life. We could do it again. I know it's going to be a little cold. I know it's not going to be the most ideal football watching weather. 
But you know what would be a trip next week in the great state of Texas? There is no team, I believe, in Division Two that feeds off of the fans and can beat any circumstance in our football team. We've done it before. We've been able to beat some teams not playing our best, and we've been able to clobber some teams at our best efforts. We can get it done, no matter the circumstance, no matter the weather, no matter where we're playing. But when we play at home in front of our home crowd, there is no question that we can do something special on Saturday. We already are making the day special without wearing an Oxford decal on our helmets. Very special moment. Let's make it even more special with a victory at home in our final game of 2021 against Shepard in what could be a fantastic football game. Get your tickets now if you don't have them, but make sure you don't wait because they could be gone by the time you're trying to get them before kickoff on Saturday. Fair State Bulldogs, Shepard Rams, 3.30 Saturday, Top Tiger Field. Let's make the day special and send the guys to Texas. What do you say? I'm ready. Let's do it. That'll even conclude the Fair State Sports Report. Quick break. We'll be right back with NBA and NFL talk. Going to be fun. Stay tuned. The MVSP podcast is brought to you by Bulldog Radio. If you're a student at Ferris State University and you want to start your own podcast with some buddies, it could be about music, sports, really whatever you want to do, go to Bulldog Connect or find us on social media at Bulldog Radio. Remember, if you want to start out your own podcast, make sure to reach out to us and we'll get you started. Welcome back, guys, to the second half of the show. We got some NFL and NBA to discuss, and I brought a special pal along to join us. Keith Richards joining us. Hi. Hey, how's it going, Keith? Going great, Brandon. Awesome and excited to uh, be on here with you today, man. Absolutely. Big fan of the show. I know. We appreciate you. Um, yeah. And I mean, huge Steelers fan as we're recording this on Friday. I know we talked a little bit at halftime for the Steelers Vikings game. But when I went to bed and yes, I did go to bed. It was that bad. It certainly flipped the script completely in the second half. And I, I I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about that game. What are your thoughts? Man, I don't know either. I rarely will go to bed. I always am like the optimist that they're somehow going to pull it out. But we were texting during the game and I ended up, I'm like 29, nothing in the third quarter. I'm going to get some extra sleep. I'm going to bed and then to wake up and see that if it wasn't for that, they had that chance right at the end. They would have got that touchdown and two point to tie it. Um, I, I think the Vikings are just contractually obligated to make it a one score game. It's got to be everything <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, it certainly, it certainly seems that way so far. I mean, what else could you expect from what was once dubbed, I believe on Twitter to be the the bowl game of teams that the Lions just could not lose to. And what a more perfect outcome for this game than seeing what we saw. But I mean, the Vikings end up holding on to this one, 36 to 28. I mean, I think the first thing that everybody would see on the stat sheet that Dalvin Cook went bananas. And honestly, in that first half, especially in the, the 
Steelers did a much better job in the second half. But the first half, it just seemed like no matter who was going to get the ball in the backfield, the holes were about five to 10 yards wide. And there was no way anybody could miss him. It seemed like they were getting 30, 40 yards every carry. It was so wide open. It was it was painful as a Steelers fan. I was just like, oh, my gosh, this this is ugly. This is bad. Um my my only saving grace is I was starting Delvin Cook on one of my fantasy teams. So, oh, great play, great play. I think uh, he ended up with about thirty five fantasy points, I believe, in PPR yeah. or standard. Even would it be technically standard? Yeah, because he had what two catches for yeah. seven yards as well. Yeah, but I mean that's that's just in, that's just insane. And for his first game back as well, I mean that's just even more impressive. But Kirk Cousins, fourteen of thirty-one, two touchdowns, two interceptions, not looking too great for his potential Pro Bowl vote. Uh, Cook, as we mentioned, twenty-seven carries, two hundred and five yards, two touchdowns. That's over seven and a half yards a carry. That's those holes you were talking about. My gosh. My gracious. I mean, I think one hundred and fifty of them came in the first half, like on the first. 10 touches. I mean, that's just insane. KJ Osborne, he was, he played hero in the second half with that 70, I think it was a 75 yard touchdown. He ended up having three catches for 83 yards. Justin Jefferson did his thing. Um, and of course, a lot of the other guys um, getting a couple targets, but you know, the number 18 is going to get his number called and it certainly wasn't any different today, but uh, for the Steelers, I mean, big Ben did not have a terrible game for what was going on and a lot of the things out of his control, it seemed like when of course they had the four or five director cut frame pans of him arguing with some coach on the sideline in the first half. But I mean, at that point you're, you're getting pummeled on both sides of the ball. You can't move anything. There's going to be some frustration that needs to come out. Yeah. And he was like on his back. It seemed like half of the first half, he was just blindside sacks. He didn't see it come in and, it was, yeah, he got up and you could just see his face like, is what is going on? on? <laughs> it was, it was rough, but I mean, 200, or I believe what 308 yards, three touchdowns and interception, 20 to 40. That's not bad, especially for how well he played in the second half to get him back in this game. That was the ones 23 to nothing at halftime and ends up having pretty much was one catch away from potentially making this into an overtime game that. I would bet that the line would definitely say they would have won that game based off of momentum because they were, they were moving the ball in the fourth quarter. I mean, just the three touchdowns alone can say that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I, I saw some of the highlights, some of the, the catches in the second half there by the receivers, like Ben, you know, I joke, he's, he's obviously on his way out here. He's a uh, old man, Ben now, but some of those catches, man, the ball placement and the guys just came down, contested catches and kept things alive. It, it was impressive. I would have enjoyed to stay up and watch it, but man, <laughs> <laughs> sure. So what have I, I'd be in, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. I only get the highlights and it's not quite the same, but Najee Harris, 94 yards, one touchdown. He's certainly looking like the draft pick. Everybody wanted him to be Uh Claypool, eight catches, 93 yards. Johnson, five catches, 76 yards. Uh, clutch fantasy play by yours truly. Uh, James Washington with that big touchdown catch in the third, I believe it was the third or the fourth quarter. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod had six catches. That's a name we don't see no. on the reception chart too often. Yeah. He's uh he's, you know, yeah, our kick returner and dude's got the wheels, but yeah, the, I, I think 
they're still trying to figure stuff out after. And I mean, it was weeks ago we lost Juju, but um, you know, maybe Fryermuth. You know, he I think only saw three catches, maybe. So uh, he'd been getting a little more than that. So it sounds like mm-hmm. they went more Ray Ray's way. And uh, who knows? I, I wasn't watching it to see if the Vikings were, you know, trying to shut Fryermuth down. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think statistically, Minnesota's always been a tough team in the front seven, anything against the front seven, whether it's run defense, they've been stout at at times. And I feel like it's always like they're kind of that name brand too, similar to Pittsburgh, honestly, that we're like in that category of like historical franchise that are very gritty, tough teams up front that are going to make things very difficult in the, in the trenches. So I, I would say that that's probably a fair, but I mean, it was really, Interesting to see. I mean, I don't know, just kind of going over this game in general, that it was really interesting that the Vikings decided to kind of lay off a little bit in the second half because, I mean, they were getting pressure to Big Ben early on and often in the first half, and Zim had the blitz coverages just absolutely on point. And then they kind of laid off in the second half when they started making that run. It was just kind of interesting, and they never they never truly went back to that. They showed some glimpses where they tried it maybe once or twice, but they never went back to like, yeah, we're going to go all out at you again, because that seemed to be what was working really well in the first half. Yeah, I, I was interested, too, and maybe I'll go back and look. I'm like, I don't know, did the Steelers make an adjustment? Did they bring in an extra tight end? Did you know, try to get more blocking in there or what? I, I don't know, because, yeah, watching that first half, it was just like they could do whatever they wanted. I, don't, I think there was maybe four or five sacks in the first half on Roethlisberger. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know how many they ended up with total if they got any in the second half. I don't know. Yeah, I I can't get the the number completely up at the moment, but I can try to I can try to count them individually. I'm counting at least six so far, I believe. Okay. So. Five. Never mind. There was only five. And I think there was four in the first. So they only got one in the second half, which that tells a story right there. Right. I that's just kind of interesting. But definitely something to look back on. But overall thoughts here, Keith, uh, kind of the final one of this game. I said off air that if the Vikings lost this game, that that should be the ticket to get Zimmer on the hot seat for sure. But it seems now like the script is flipped especially with media reporters saying that now is this time to move on from Tomlin. I think that's kind of crazy, but what are your thoughts? I would agree. I I think it's smoke. I think they're just trying to create something and just being a fan of the organization. You see how they've had what three coaches over the last 50 some years. So I would be absolutely shocked if, if they moved on from Tomlin in, in any way. I mean, I think even they probably wouldn't say it publicly, but everybody in the organization could tell looking at Ben at the end of last season, he's he's the time has come. And I don't think there was any way they were going to bench him this year just because of what he's done. So I think for Tomlin, even if they would have, I don't know, went three wins this year, I still would have been shocked if they moved on from him because I think they're like, this is Ben's last season. Let's let him right off into the sunset and uh, make a play for another quarterback next year. and. kind of start fresh. So yeah. yeah, I think that's the the biggest thing is like they're not a three win team. They're at five hundred. They're six, six and one. Um I it's they're still in the playoff contention. I mean right. that's just that's bonkers to me that they 
it, I don't want to see the the college coach get up and walk when your team's in the chance for a national championship kind of stuff like we saw with Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly earlier. Obviously, those two teams were in the national championship conversation, but it's just like you have a fifth ranked team in the country and then you leave your team. That could be higher than necessarily this move. But I mean, for the Steelers, you're only a couple of games off of the the seventh and sixth spots. Yeah. I mean, that's just that would just be crazy from just to see them move on at this point. Yeah. When I mean, if they tank out the rest of the year, maybe you can make a case for it. But no, I agree with you. I don't I just can't see that happening. I feel like and as as a Steelers fan, it's like um, we're spoiled because I know like two years ago was the Duck Hodges uh, Mason Rudolph experiment and on Steeler message boards and, and threads online. Everybody's like, get rid of Tomlin. He's trash. Get rid of him. And I'm like, you guys, because. We OK. <laughs> and I'm like, I have so many Lions fans, friends who would be like 500 season. Ooh, let's take it. Like, I'll take that. It's like the spoils there. They, it's, you get spoiled. So it's I think that plays into it as well, where it's like, oh, my gosh, we're not Super Bowl bound. We're not competing for the conference championship. Like you said, we're competing for it. We're still in contention for the playoffs. So to even talk about it, I think it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, this kind of relates in my mind to a homage of my team's decision a few years ago with Jim Caldwell, uh, where you're hearing the same thing that you were just mentioning of, oh, it's good, but it's not good enough. And then you hire Matt Patricia and you say the regret word about four or five times consecutively every day. So that can definitely, I feel like that decision in the history of how it really evolved should definitely sway the Steelers away. I want to see them with Tomlin because I don't, I can't see them with any other coach and he's done such a great job. I mean, the fact he has zero losing seasons in his tenure in Pittsburgh. Yeah. He wins with no matter who's on the field. And that's what a coach is there for. Yeah. I mean, that fits the job description. So, but anyway, Steelers down to six, six and one. Vikings move up to six and seven and are somehow in the playoffs. Hope how in the world have we got this far? And the team that loses to Detroit might make the playoffs. That's all you have to say right there, but we'll be interested to see. Uh, moving over now into the slate of games. Me and Keith going to make our picks here. There's going to be some good ones, Keith. I, I'm really interested to see where we go with here. We'll start in Washington, NFC East matchup, Dallas, and the football team as of still now. Still waiting that name, Washington. But who do you got in this one? I'm going to go with the the hot team right now. I'm going to go with the football team. Okay, okay. Yeah, I saw that um, McCarthy gave him a little bulletin board material by coming out and saying, I don't know if he actually guaranteed the win or said something along that line. And, you know, in, in professional sports, the guys, all they need is just a little something extra to, to get them going. And then you have Pollard injured, maybe not playing. So... I like I like Washington to to kind of upset the Cowboys. Their divisional game uh, should be an interesting one. That's a good pick. I really like it. I will play contrarian and I'll pick the Cowboys. I'll say that McCarthy will fulfill his promise. As much as I'm not a huge fan of Mike McCarthy, I think that this could be a potential bounce back game for Dallas. They've won some games, but they haven't played truly well. And this is a prime game to do it. If this is going to be a team that's going to represent the number one seed potentially in the NFC, this is a game that you got to go out and win. 
Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. This is also Zeke needs to get back in. I believe he's had less than 50 rush yards in the last four games. That's not good numbers. And without Pollard, like you just mentioned, he's going to have to produce. Not can have to. Yeah. So I'm going to take the Cowboys by three, but I love the Washington pick there. Jacksonville and Tennessee. This one looks lopsided on paper, but the the, the Titans also lost to the Jets before. So, yeah, Um, this one, I'm I'm going to go with the Titans. I mean, I feel like that's the the, like you said, it looks lopsided, but I think it's going to be a lot closer game than people might imagine just because uh, I, I guess Julio sounds like he may be back, but you yep. know Henry, no AJ Brown. Um, you got Dante, Deonta Foreman as the man now. We'll see how he does. And uh, James Robinson's been a little banged up for Jacksonville, but uh, I'm just thankful I don't have to watch this game. So, <laughs> yes, I will probably not be watching this game as well. Um, I mean, there's plenty of other one o'clock games we mentioned that are better, including the one that we just talked about with Dallas and Washington. But yeah, I agree. I'm going with Tennessee here. I'm going to probably take them by, I would say maybe seven. Uh, I'll, I'll be a little more risky. I'll go with 10. I, this, there's no reason that Tennessee should have a problem with Jacksonville just based off of what, how well they've played this year. And I mean, they've been a team that they started off kind of sluggish was a team that was very hyped up in the offseason, especially with what you just mentioned, the Julio Jones move um, to get him from Atlanta. But they've had injuries. I think there was a stat that I found here that the Titans have had 86 different players play in at least one game this season. Wow. And there's only been 14 of those players that have played in every single all 11 games this year. That right there is a stat. And I didn't realize truly because like, the Lions had been banged up. There have been some other teams that have been banged up, like Arizona. But this team has been truly, like, I think the word that they used was ravaged. I mean, 86 different players. I'm not a mathematician. I mention that all the time on this show, but you got 53-man roster. I think that shows enough for how banged up this team really has been. Yeah. I mean, you look at their running backs right now. uh, Foreman and Hilliard, and these guys who are like not even on teams uh, a couple months back. So, nope. I mean, I look at that and I'm like, kudos to Mike Rabel for doing just an awesome job there of keeping them in the hunt. I mean, I believe they're they're one of the top seeds, top four seeds in the AFC, are they? Yep, they're fighting for the number one seed right now, which is that's amazing. just kudos to them. Like, and then if, I just imagine, man, they get in the playoffs, and if Henry comes back, ooh. Look out. Yeah. Yeah. There's rumors of an early January return, I believe, which I would love to see an earlier, not necessarily for my fantasy team, but that would be nice. But just to help them get a grip, especially if they're going to be going into the postseason, because you'd love to get him some touches before the actual postseason just to get the rust off and everything. But I mean, kudos to him for even having a chance to step back on the field. There'd be guys that would be definitely setting out for sure. But yeah. I mean, that game's going to be interesting to see, but another very interesting game to see, and I say that in quotation marks, the Seahawks and the Texans. And then we mentioned off air, I believe this was the, there was one game that was missing on my original NFL um, <laughs> upper upper bar of games to preview. And there was one missing. And I think the NFL Network just decided that, you know what, this one's really not worth the viewer to watch. So let's just scrap it from there immediately. I had to dig in the archives to find it. 
But anyway, we found it and it certainly doesn't look great on paper, but you never know. I mean, these two teams have struggled. They have. Yeah. I mean, you want you want to go first on this one with your oh pick? oh gosh put me under the spotlight okay uh I really want to see what the I'm trying to scroll through to find the the predictor of this game because I gotta imagine it's pretty lopsided to Seattle's favor it is 77 percent chance for Seattle that's very fair could I go with the Texans sure I just can't see Seattle having a four and nine team at the moment. And I know like, yeah, they've lost these consecutive games in a row, just lost Jamal Adams, but I don't see, I don't really see the idea of the Texans being able to outscore them because that's what they're going to have to do. And that, that team's still too good. I mean, they just got Adrian Peterson into the lineup. They're going to have him being used a lot as well as Penny and um, DJ Dallas. So I'm going to go with Seattle and I'm going to, cringe as I say that because this is definitely potential for a trap game but yeah. I, I really think that the Texans now at this point are probably going to fold they probably should fold out considering that our Lions won last week so yeah. now they're going to be fighting for the number one spot since there is hope so I think this I think Seattle will take this one by seven I'm going to I'm going to go Seahawks by 10. I think uh, I know Metcalf has not done much lately I think maybe this might be like a two touchdown game for him a uh, couple weeks of Russ being back. Hopefully the hand's doing better. And uh, I believe it's Davis Mills most likely starting for the Texans. So, uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a nice early Christmas present for Seahawks fans. Yeah, so. it really should be. The, if you lose to Houston, cool. I think that's it. Russ is out. Like that, yeah. that's all that all it has to take at this point. He's already mentioned it in the off season that he wants to play somewhere else. Him and Pete Carroll have not been on the same page. I mean, this is, it's almost now or never really for Pete Carroll to start winning, to just have a chance to keep him around. Cause I mean, he even went out and had his list kind of repealed again this last week. I saw that's not great when you're four and eight and looking at missing the playoffs and your franchise quarterback now wants out. You got to start winning some games. And this is certainly one that has to be one of those uh, going over to the AFC West. This game, I think would be the one I will watch on Sunday at one o'clock. The Raiders at six and six will take on the Kansas city chiefs. The ones we thought were down and out forever have come back to life at eight and four. This one's tough. It's at Arrowhead. Can yeah. the Raiders pull this one out? I don't think so. I, I, I'm pretty confident. I've been watching my, my son's a Steelers fan, but also a G, big Chiefs and Mahomes fan. And uh, All right. I've been watching them. Their defense has just stepped it up over the last few weeks. I know uh, they got Melvin, Mel, Melvin Ingram from the Steelers there at the trade deadline, and I think he's helped give them a little more uh, pass rush and – um, I don't know. It seems like the Raiders, the wheels have just kind of fallen off there um, when they lost rugs. And then, you know, Waller's been out. I don't know that he's going to be back yet. So at home, I see the Chiefs uh, getting another game up in the division. And uh, I'd say Chiefs. I'm going to go bold. I'm going to say Chiefs by 14. Oh, wow. That isn't too bold when you consider the last matchup that ended up 41 to 14 back on November 14th, which would have been around week, I think around week nine or eight, somewhere around there when those two teams played. And that was also in Vegas. So 
Yeah. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with Chiefs in this one. I'm going to say a little closer. I'll say by only seven. But, I mean, this should be a really fun game. I think that the Raiders are are in kind of a weird position going into this game because the Chiefs have been on nothing but a roll. I mean, they have absolutely nothing to look back on as far as how well they've played. And you mentioned the defense stepped up. It really has. They were ranked, I believe, last pretty much in anything defensive categories and efficiency. Now they're up to 24. So that just shows you the quick turnaround from this team. But, I mean, if you're Vegas, you're coming into this game with the chance to take a step up on your division rival that, and that's that division is not out of the question yet. It's not the chiefs running away with this one. Cause the Raiders are only a game out or excuse me, two games out. The Broncos are only two games out. They might be three after this weekend, but we'll get it to that. Um, and then, I mean, they, there's still a chance here. So this is a prime game to win. I mean, Derek Carr's played really well this year. He's going to be a, probably a pro bowl vote in if I would say so just for how well he's played this year. But, you got to get the defense in check because when they play well, they can beat anybody. But when that defense folds, they can't beat anybody. So that's really the biggest part. And they, I believe they only scored. Yeah, they only scored 14 in that first matchup. That scares me considering the Chiefs defense was not as good as it is now. I see the Chiefs winning this one by seven. Uh, the Saints and the Jets. This one. Certainly looks gross on paper, but hey, might turn into a pretty solid game. Yeah. So this one, um, I, I'm I've always liked Taysom Hill, mostly fantasy football. I'm a big fan of him to see what he can do, and just you know, totally different offense and game plan when you've got him running, rushing as the quarterback. But uh, I'll, I'll do Saints by six. I think it's going to be a tighter game. Um, their defense has kind of went the opposite direction of the Chiefs, where. They've just lately not been doing much. And yeah, was it uh, last week, um, Thursday night game against Dallas? The Cowboys took it to them. And mm-hmm. yeah, so, and I don't know, man, the Jets, oh, I, yeah, I, I feel for Jets fans because, uh, you know, the, the excitement of Zach Wilson. And now it's like they're already saying, is he even, is he the guy? I don't know. It's, it's sad. <laughs> yeah, the fact that their that fan base is even considering cutting their number two overall pick at this point, I think just shows how disorganized that franchise is. But they got a lot of good pieces in there. I mean, Elijah Moore, just speaking of fantasy players that have stood yeah. out, has definitely been one of those guys. I mean, I believe he has more receiving yards and receiving touchdowns than any of the other five guys. Maybe, obviously, Jamar Chase would be the next closest in the... But over the last five games, he's been the best out of all all of those. So it's certainly going to be an interesting game. I mean, the fact of the Jets, who's going to be throwing in the football, of course, is going to be a little bit of the question, uh, as they always seem to have injury precautions for quarterbacks. And they've already seen, I think, four take the field so far. I don't see a reason why the Saints can't win this game. And I'll even say that it'll end up a lot like the 2019 matchup where they won by 15. I'll say they win by 17. Saints wow. should roll in this one. I trusted the Jets last week. Am, am I going to be biased against them because they didn't get my upset? Absolutely. I'm going to go against them. So yep. hopefully it works out. Jets lose by 17 and then I get my mojo back. Falcons and Panthers, both teams at five and seven and still in the hunt. For the NFC South, I think that one's pretty locked up. But the 
seventh spot is still available. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you said, it's crazy. Both division or both conferences, you have these teams with losing records that all they need to do is go on a hot streak over these next three, four weeks. And they're going into the playoffs. It's mm-hmm. it's it makes for very fun. Um, you know, most fan bases still have a chance right now, which is great for the NFL overall right now. Yeah, I think it's it's super great. I'm really looking at this game of the Falcons have done all right the last couple of weeks, but the thing that gets me is like, no matter how they've done in the past, Matt Ryan just seems to know how to beat Carolina. I think he has a like a 20 and 10 record, or I think there's an official 17 and 10 record against Carolina, uh-huh. which is, I think the team that he's beaten the most, I would have to say, I mean, 31 games already there. That's two a year. And of course with his long career, it has to be up there in that division. So the Panthers have struggled the last game, couple games defensively. That is scaring me. So I'll take the Falcons in. I would say it would be an upset here. I'm going to take them by seven. Oh, nice. Well, I'm going to go contrarian on you. I'm going to go Panthers by three. Uh, I know they they fired their offensive coordinator, so maybe that gives them some kind of boost. And Cam was absolutely terrible um, the prior week before the bye. So uh, I think he comes out and, you know, maybe gets a couple rushing touchdowns, maybe get DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson going a little bit and uh, see if they can't stay alive uh, in the playoff hunt there. Love it. Uh, Ravens and Browns. This one, the final of a one o'clock slate. I mean, this one looks super fun, mm. especially the fact of what we saw only a few weeks ago. What was it 16 to 10? I mean, just an absolute shootout. Yeah. And this is this is AFC North football right here. So, oh, yeah. These guys are going to beat up on each other. And uh, I mean, both teams not looking that great right now. So uh, I think it's going to be uh, super low scoring. I'd be shocked if this was a you know high scoring affair. Um, Browns get Kareem Hunt back, which will help them a little bit. But uh, really, no, not many options in the passing game for Baker. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to, I'll predict this as a 13, 10 win for the Ravens. All right. What a <laughs> 13 to 10. That's beautiful. I mean, what is the last like five? I, I think every matchup in, or no, that was the Steelers and the Ravens. Like the last five matchups that I saw, none of them went over 24 points for oh. either team, which is just absolutely bonkers. But yeah, you're right. That's AFC North football. That's what it is. That's just how this division rolls sometimes. So, I mean, the Browns, the last, what has it now been? Like five or six games they haven't scored over 14 points. That's that's a very, very big question mark. I don't, I, I really want to, I can't trust the Browns at this point. I love the fact they have Kareem Hunt back, but the way that Baker's played, they've lost some guys to injury. Odell's out. Not saying he would have helped out that much more, but it just seems like this team with Baker, Baker shouldn't be playing football right now. If we were to be honest. Yeah. I don't, I just can't get over the fact that he's still there and they're just struggling the way that they are. And that case Keenum's just sitting there ready for his opportunity. And he showed that he can win before, but, and I mean, that's not my decision, but I'm going to take the Ravens. I'll say by seven that we have different scores. Um, to go on and move to nine and four starting the four o'clock slate giants and chargers. I think this one sh- might be fairly one-sided. 
I would I would agree. I mean, it's either going to be Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm under center. For <laughs> so, and the Chargers, I mean, um, you've just seen Justin Herbert, I think, this year just show everybody. Because, you know, a lot of quarterbacks will come and kind of have a sophomore slump, but um, he's had a couple low games, but that guy, he looks like the real deal. And uh, we don't know what's going on with the wide receivers there with the COVID, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, but even... Honestly, if both of those guys did not play, I would still take the Chargers in this one. I'm, I'm with you. Pretty one-sided game. Yeah, I is with without potentially having Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and your number one guy is most likely going to be Jalen Guyton. I mean, Guyton's a really nice third option. So, yes. I mean, you could get through this game with him as a number one, I would say for sure. I'm going to take the Chargers. I'm going to probably take them by 14. I just don't like what I'm seeing from the Giants. I mean, you just mentioned their quarterback situation is awful. They're ranked in the bottom of every category, offensively and defensively. This team just really struggled. And the fact is, I don't like, I just, I just have a really bad relationship with the Giants ever since they decided to make some sort of pipeline of trades for Lions star receivers and then proceed to run them into the ground. So I just don't like that franchise anymore. Can be mutual, but until then, Chargers by 14. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, the Lions and the Broncos, we got win number one last week, beating the Vikings. I think there's a way we can make it too. I, I'm with you, man. I honestly, I think momentum. Um, I was so excited to see the Lions and, you know, get the, their first win. Goff getting their first win. It was awesome. Um, I, I think they pull it out somehow. Denver is not a, a scary team by any means on offense. So I, I would say Lions by three, man. I'm going to go out and I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid and two yes. streak. So <laughs> Yes. Come on, Keith. Join the wagon with me. Okay. I understand the fact that every Lions fan probably hates us right now because we should be tanking. But here's <laughs> the thing. Like if we win the if we win this next game. The Texans and the Jaguars are going to play each other again. So one of those teams can't tank that game or who one will get out tanked, I guess is the word. But I mean, if we still win this game and we're two and 10 and one, that to me is enough to show that like Dan Campbell can win some games. And I think that'll have enough because if they go through this whole, if they went through this whole season without a win and they go, oh, 16 and one that's going to say, all right, should we move on from Campbell? And then that just shows like, I mean, the fan base doesn't trust anything, especially after the Patricia Caldwell experiment, but yeah. we're still going to be, if we win this game and inevitably we very well might, and should it be the thing that we analytically should be looking at? No. Will it probably happen? Sure. I mean, I, the odds certainly don't agree, but Hey, what are odds? at this point when we saw the Jets beat the Titans. So right. if we win this game and we go to 2-10-1, if we somehow slip to two or three in the standings, there will be inevitably one team that's going to try to trade up into the top three to get their quarterback. And based off of what we've heard as what we'll do with the top pick is we're going to take an edge rusher. There's already two edge rushers that we like. So if we're in the top two picks and can guarantee to get one of them and then win some games, right. there's faith both ways. So I mean, I'll be happy with Hutchinson or Thibodeau at the top and the fact that we get either of them and show that we can win games. I mean, is that is that enough security for fans? I don't know. It is for me, but I know there's a lot of people that probably disagree with me. That's fine. 
I want to see Dan Campbell win. I want him to kind of show people that, hey, he's a good coach and can be backed. So I'm going to take the Lions by seven. As much as I would love to see the top pick, I think they can get it done. San Francisco, Cincinnati, pair of teams looking to get into their respective divisional playoffs. This one's in Cincy at Paul Brown. And honestly, that's probably going to be the edge for me. I'm going to take Bengals by seven solely for being at home. Uh, This one's interesting because you had Burrow with the pinky issue last week. I know T Higgins got a little banged up. Uh, We mentioned Jamar Chase earlier. He hasn't done much the last few weeks um, other than uh, set up. I forget who it was for a very sweet interception by tipping the ball up in the air. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I still think, I don't know the 49ers. I've never been a big Garoppolo believer, but they keep, you know, he keeps pulling out wins. Um, enough to keep the job uh, this season, but I'm going to go, like you said, it's in Cincinnati. I, I'm going to say Bengals by three. All yeah, right. One. I like the pick Buffalo, Tampa Bay. I would say probably should be the Sunday night game. I, I'll, I'll say that right there. I feel like yeah. this should definitely be the Sunday night game, but still going to be a great game. Nonetheless, we got in this one. This is going to be an interesting one because I know Buffalo is going to want to bounce back from uh, New England literally running the ball down their throats on Monday night. I mean, weather played into that, but uh, oh man, this where is this one in Tampa Bay? Yep. Okay. At Tampa. At Tampa, Gronk's looked good being back. Um, I still, you know, Steelers. We we beat Buffalo first game of the season. Buffalo just, I don't know, man. They're like Jekyll and Hyde out there. So I'm gonna go Tampa by seven. Okay, this one I really, I I don't know what it is with um, Buffalo. I mean, obviously the weather was a huge factor last week. There's no question about it. The fact that they couldn't throw the football very much at all was certainly something that they wouldn't want in their game plan coming in against the Patriots. I mean, you can't do what you do best. So right. when I look at Tampa, I mean, they've, they, they were in a good, they were in a great shape early on. I mean, they started the season, I believe at five and one, six and one, and then they ended up losing a couple in a row. It kind of seems like this is set up a similar way again. And if they're going to go through this entire year only losing three games, then they're going to have to be at the Tennessee, Buffalo along the way. And Cincinnati would be kind of a, or no, they played already, I believe, in the preseason. I don't know why I saw that. But the I think this game could be very close. I don't know why. I, I'm just going to go on a gut feeling. I'm going to take Buffalo by one singular point. I don't know why. I just have this weird feeling and I've trusted it once. <laughs> hasn't worked before. I've trusted it once. Hasn't worked before. But sometimes, one of those times, I get it right. So I'm going to go Buffalo by one singular point. If I'm crazy, call me crazy. But I've just got a feeling. That's all. Uh, Sunday night game. Bears. Packers. At Lambeau. Yeah. And I see Justin Fields is back, but uh, rookie quarterback, his first start in Lambeau. I don't know what the weather is going to look like. I'm sure it's going to be cold. So uh, I think the Packers are going to handle the Bears. I know Montgomery's a little banged up as well. And uh, I love I love D- Darnell Mooney, man. He's an exciting young guy to see. But uh, Packers defense has been pretty solid. So I- I'm going to I'm going to say 
Green Bay at home, Sunday night football, under the lights, at Lambeau. I'm going to say uh, Packers by 11. Oh, wow, yeah. I, I like the aggressiveness. I mean, the Packers at Lambeau is a different animal. They won 10 straight. I can see them making it 11 straight for sure. I'm going to take the Packers to beat the Bears by 17. This Bears team's looked awful. And until they show a little bit of glimmer of hope, I don't trust someone. But final game, Monday Night Football, Rams and the Cardinals. This is going to be fun. I'm excited for this one. Yeah. And the Rams, are they two games up in the div- – I'm sorry, the Cardinals two games up in the division? Yep, 10-2 and two and 8-4. and four. So this is going to be a good one as well. Um Kyler looked great coming back last week. I know Hopkins was back. Uh, this, yeah, I would, you know, some good defenses there, but I, I think the offense is going to reign supreme in this one. Uh, I think it'll be tight. I'm going to say Cardinals by six. Okay. I like it. I'll play contrarian. I'll take the underdog Rams. I really want to see this one is simply a pick just for intrigue because I want to see this Rams team have a complete performance. They haven't had one really, honestly, since the Buccaneers win back in week three. I mean, it's been over almost 10 weeks since they've put it together on all three sides of the football. So I I would really love to see the Rams get a win here. I think this is going to be a slugfest. I'm certainly going to be watching this game potentially end up in the 50s a la Chiefs Rams a few years ago, but maybe not. But it'll still be a great game nonetheless, and I'm looking forward to it. But that is our picks. Make sure to follow the games and let us know which pick of ours was the worst. I know I'm sure I'll get the hate for this one, but that's fine because I can take it like a man. But anyway, moving over now into the NFL really quick here as we end to wrap up the show. Me and Keith are looking pretty strong here in our fantasy basketball league together. And I'm not going to lie. I've had some injuries. I lost Colin Sexton. That one kind of hurt. But I mean, when you got the Joker, you're already in good shape, no matter who else is around him. Yeah, I know. I've tried to trade for the Joker. I don't know, maybe like 30 times from you. But... <laughs> yeah, 32. I don't know. It's yeah, not like I've yeah. a track or anything. <laughs> if there's anybody that's untouchable, that he's just insane. Like, oh man, you look at like the analytics and just... The, the numbers he's putting up and it only helps when you know a lot of their other star players are out so uh yeah he is definitely the core of your team um i'm a big luca guy on my side uh out of shape luca so i'm excited to <laughs> do if he actually gets in shape you know oh yeah <laughs> i mean the fact of luca and really like jokic in general like their fantasy impact for any team that has them is just astronomical already. Like you don't have to look who's next. It's just insane. The fact that you can have such dominant players. And I mean, they've both like, they've been on okay teams so far. Like, I mean, Dallas is sitting at, I think six in the Western conference, Denver's at eight due to some injuries. Like the fact is, is like they're middle of the road teams, but they got two of the best fantasy superstars on the planet. It's just crazy. Yeah. And those guys, I just enjoy watching them too. And uh, just seeing, because I mean, you look at, I think they're in similar situations right now with the injuries on the Nuggets. If the Nuggets are healthy, I think they they easily have the better team there. But current state of their rosters, you know, they're both kind of like just carrying everything. And I don't know. And they're like you said, they're competitive. They're playoff teams right now. So uh, 
it'll be interesting as the season goes on to see what happens. And I love those guys. Anybody who can, you know, any given night throw up a triple double in in fantasy, that's going to be big for your team. Absolutely. Triple doubles are huge when it comes to fantasy points. But of course, this is not what the players are thinking about themselves as more as wins, which we understand that's your job. Yeah, yeah, we get it. We get it. I'm just saying, I'm sure you would love to have a triple double bonus hit your fantasy lineup with yourself. That would be pretty sweet. But looking at this conference standings right now, the Nets sitting at the top in the Eastern Conference as well as the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference. Now it just seems like things are back to what they used to be. KD against Steph after they end up swapping teams. I mean, this is just, I think this is what the league wanted. They wanted the Golden State to bounce back, get back to the top, and they want to see the star-studded Nets. They want to see both these teams take the number one seed, run through the table in the regular season, and play each other in the finals. That's what everybody wants, and I think that's what everyone is paying to see this year for League Pass. Yeah, I I would agree with you there. I mean, yeah, the Warriors. um, do, Do they have a timeline on Clay coming back? They said before Christmas, so this team could get even deadlier. Yeah, and then you have the Nets with the potential of if a Kyrie trade happens, what they get back in return. So if anything, these guys, these both of these teams are only going to get stronger as the season goes on. So um, you had the Suns go on the tear there, you know, the the no-loss November that they had. But uh, I don't know. I still, yeah, I think everything's setting up for the, the big uh, NBA excited Nets Warriors finals that uh drawn a lot of viewers I'm sure yeah I would make the bold statement right now if the Nets and Warriors played each other in the finals this would probably overtake the Cavs Warriors finals ratings records on television I would say even possibly by a long shot because the comeback story of the Warriors the way Steph's playing right now I mean I'm really, I'll be honest right now. Whenever I think of the Warriors, I'm still upset from trying to go. I went to a game earlier this month and when they played each other, Steph didn't play. Very sad. Pistons still lost and we've now lost 10 in a row at four and 20. Mm. It's tough. But at the end of the day, I mean, this is still a rebuild for Detroit. There's still a lot of good hope. And I really really want to trust the process. I know there's been some things about, is Dwayne Casey the right guy? I can understand when your team loses 10 in a row. I get that. They're not playing terrible basketball. And frankly, right now, if you had asked anybody who the worst team in the NBA is, it's not Detroit. It's definitely Orlando. Orlando's played awful. I mean, they only have, I believe, one more win than us, but they also have one more loss. So really, the only virtue of them not being at the bottom is win percentage. But the Pistons definitely have, I mean, Cade's no question the guy that's been very solidified this offseason. There's been some questions on who to surround him with and who could be the next pick. But I think you still have to be a little confident. I think right now you're looking at Cade still even not even at his peak yet because he hasn't been able to take care of the ball and shoot the three ball as well as people have hoped. And I mean, Stewart's still banged up. He's always been banged up. Putin Sadiq Bay is just getting out of a really just a horrific shooting slump. So, I mean, this team has, has really shown the bottom of the barrel and we're still competing in all these games. Yeah. That's got to be, so that's got to be positive. Yeah. I'm with you there. I think, I mean, what, what were realistic expectations coming into the season? I mean, I don't think anybody was like, we're going to make the playoffs, but uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, to see Cade coming in, you know, the more, the more he's gotten, he's had the ankle injury to start the year, but 
He's been on a roll more lately. Looking at three out of the last four games, he scored over 20 points. He's, you know, not, you know, he's got the turnover still, but it's his rookie season. So I think that's a great piece to build around. And, you know, Stewart, like you said, they got a lot of good young pieces there where uh, I'm excited for the future, what, what's going to happen here in Detroit. Yeah, I think this will take a couple years. We're gonna need we're gonna need a couple more guys for sure. But yeah. the the fact that we've gotten guys like Jeremy the, to come over from Denver, yeah. the fact of getting Kelly Olynyk, like these guys chose to come here, so that tells me that there's people that do believe. So that makes me feel very good about the situation. But I mean, right now that both conferences are looking pretty solid so far in the divisional race. Obviously, only being a quarter the way or just actually let's over a quarter the way into the season more course more towards the third going into the holiday break but i mean you got the nets at one bulls at two in the eastern conference they started off hot the bucks have really bounced back with eight out of their last 10 and third miami washington cleveland right now sitting in the top six spots 76ers, Hawks, Hornets, Celtics right there in the play-in tournament, then followed by the Knicks, the Raptors, the Pacers, and Magic, as well as Detroit. The funny thing I just saw of the seeing the Knicks at 11 was the Stephen A. rant yesterday about how they should get their stuff together. But they really have. like They were one of the top seeds. I believe they were a four seed last year when they went up to face Atlanta. Now you're sitting at 11. Something's wrong. Yeah. And I know I saw Kemba Walker. They kind of just totally take him out of the rotation. And yeah, it's it's something's, I don't know, I feel bad. It, it seems like it's just one of those those almost cursed organizations where you know, <laughs> last year they had this bright ray of hope come in and now it's like back to, up oh, same old Knicks, like messing stuff up. And they've got the talent there. I mean, I know you got uh, one of your keepers in our fantasy league was Randall. I know yep. he's solid guy that was a good pickup for him but and they made some big moves in the offseason bringing some of these guys in so i don't know if it's just uh a little more time for everybody to gel together or or what's going on there but yeah it's it's just i'm looking at the standings and it's just you used to have the big just clump of teams here from like four to to 13 that are just a few games off of each other and I don't know. I saw rumors of the Pacers possibly going to be just going into full rebuild, moving Sabonis, Levert, um, Miles Turner, maybe. And you got the you got the Sixers sitting there at fourteen and twelve with all the Ben Simmons stuff hanging over. So I think trade deadline is going to play a big role in seeing how some of this stuff's going to shape out. Are they going to move anybody? What's going to happen? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about that. It's like fantasy fantasy basketball comes to life around the the trading deadline there. So, oh, 100%. And now you have um, one of the guys that I had the the virtue of snagging in the later rounds of John Wall, just based on the fact in a just a little gut hope that he would play at some point this year. Now he wants to play. So the yeah. fact that we're going to have a potential of him being back on the floor could be really fun, and that he's probably going to. I would have to say he's going to have to get moved at some point because yeah. I don't think he wants to stay in Houston for the rest of his career. So, I, I mean, would it, it be possible to bring him back to Washington and get him with Brad again? I mean, that's what definitely helped this team in the first place. Yeah. And, I mean, they're sitting right now at a spot where they could make a move. They're fifth right now. And, I mean, if you ask anybody, 
there's a couple of teams below them, the Hawks, the Hornets, at the Cel- and the Celtics that you would, and even probably the 76ers amidst the Ben R- Simmons stuff that you could see over flopping that team moving on and kind of get her over a flukish start. I mean, is that something that Washington should look at doing? I I would I would think so. I mean, they've been when we look at the standings, they're the ones that surprise me and I'm like, "Man, good for you guys. They made the Russ trade, which some people would look at that as them just kind of giving up, but actually it's made them a better team this year and the pieces they picked up there, you don't have the the flashy big names, but man, if they if they made that move, yeah, that, you know, get John Wall, I mean, like you said, I don't see Houston hanging on to him. They've got all these young guys they want to play and develop, so why not homecoming back to the Wizards and throw them in there and yeah, see if Washington can't make a little run, stay stay in the top four there, move into the top four. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I would love that move. I would love to get John Wall in my fantasy lineup. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, it looks the same on the other side. I mean, you got a lot of teams at the bottom of like the playing tournament, at example, the Lakers. And I mean, the Nuggets don't have Jamal Murray, so we kind of expected them to take a small step back this year, which is understandable. And I mean, the biggest probably one is Portland right now is at 11 and 15 at the 11 seed. And they got a superstar that apparently, well, one hates the media. We knew that part. And the fact that the, all these rumors are getting spread around, it's going to make it worse for him. But yeah, is this a good time now for Portland? It's apparently reported that Damian Lillard wants two more years in Portland. I think every analyst in the world would probably say that's cool for Portland, but not what everybody wants. Yeah. I mean, I love Dame. I'm a big fan of him. I love his game. And uh, I know this this year he's not been his typical self, but I don't know. There was the rumors there of them, you know, him really wanting to play play with Ben Simmons. I don't know, man. It's, I would not be, he keeps saying and everything he said and everything I've heard from his camp is that he does want to stay, like you said. And I know there was the big meeting he had with LeBron and AD in the off season and went to LeBron's house. And they, I think we're kind of obviously trying to sell him on the Lakers. And he was like, I want to be that guy that, you know, stays here and keeps things going in Portland. So I think his heart is there. I mean, they just had the GM shakeup. Um, so does that, you know, become something where the organization just says, Hey, we're, we're going to go in a different direction now. And man, and if he gets moved, whatever team he would go to. Yeah. That, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts <laughs> if he does get moved? Like where, where could you see him going? Like, Oh, well, that's a, I mean, there's a lot of guys that would be in great shape with a caliber player like Dame. I think that the, one of the bigger ones that I would definitely see as, best for him. I'm not going to say the rumors are true. Take that out of the picture, mm-hmm. but Philly's a great place if yeah. he wants to play. I mean, the the fact of that team, I mean, you have a superstar in Embiid. You got a, you got a great array of players to surround him with. I mean, you got a young guy like Maxi that he can really mentor and bring up to his game. You got a veteran like Danny Green that knows his role. Seth Curry, of course. But I think like when you read off a lot of those names is you're like, man, there you got a lot of guards already. But in reality, they're going to move a couple with Damian yeah. Lillard because Portland's not just going to dump him there for nothing. So right. I think you look at that array. It makes sense, especially the fact that he was that was one of the teams that they're going to be watching 
over his sweepstakes before he ended up just deciding I'm going to stay put. I think that's probably one of the ones you would say definitely could fly up the list. I mean, he would probably be absolutely loved in the Philly market. The fans would love him. Yeah. And I mean, it certainly makes sense. I mean, being in the Eastern Conference, of course, seems like the easier task. In reality, though, it's better basketball, it seems so far as record-wise goes in the Western Conference. But I think that's I think that'd be the number one place. I could see him also looking at other places. Maybe you could go in like a direction like maybe Minnesota or something. Yeah. I don't see think that one is as a great of an option. I think it'd be better for him just to stay in Portland and go there, but I mean, there's a lot of different ways that this could all spin out. I think that there's definitely possibility that he stays. But if this is the this is the difference I see with Dame as opposed to Giannis. Giannis has said multiple times, I'm staying put regardless of the rumors and has delivered a championship. Yeah. Portland, Dame's done the same thing, but there's been one key flaw in Portland that was executed in Milwaukee. They surrounded him. That's the thing that has really held him back. And until that happens, we're always going to have these rumors. We're always going to have him potentially moving somewhere before his career ends. And if Portland really wants to keep him, they're going to have to fork up some dough and they're going to have to get some guys to surround him with to actually make it happen, which has been done before. I mean, all it took for Milwaukee was Drew Holiday and his brother. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, that would definitely help the situation. But I mean, Portland's got to get some guys. They got to get some legitimate players to surround them with that want to be there. I'm not saying like these guys don't want to be there, but they need to go out and get guys that will play with Dame that have the same expectations he does. And that can be able to deliver because I mean, he's in his ninth year in the league right now. That's at a place where that's usually where you start looking at the potential downfall as far as age goes. So yeah, Portland's got now or never at this point, because if it doesn't happen in the next two years, if they're not willing to do it, is there a point of keeping them? Right. And that's why I think, I think this is like with the injury to McCollum. Now it's, I feel like it's kind of forcing their hand to to kind of decide right now, we're going to go one of two directions and we kind of got to make our bed and lay in it. And what's it going to be like, one team that was sneaky, maybe that I would think is, you know, could Boston potentially make a move? Are they willing to Ooh. give up like Jalen Brown and some picks? I don't know, some young guys. I don't know, you know, put Tatum and Dame together. That could be interesting. That could be deadly. Yeah. Which one do you? Which one do you stop first? Right. Right. There's so, legit debate for that one. And and that's if something like that comes across, you know, where Dame's got an opportunity. <laughs> I don't think he. I don't see him going like to the Nets for like Kyrie or. I don't think he wants to be on a super team. No, Just, not at all. No, he, but being with someone, like you said, Embiid or, or Tatum, you get to pair him with somebody else where you get like that dynamic duo together and you do some damage. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. And this year's trade deadline, I'd agree with you, Keith, is going to be nothing short of spectacular. And we're only 28 to 30 games in this season. So it's going to be fun. But that's going to do it for our show today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to have you on. Hey, thanks, Brandon. It was a pleasure. Love love what you guys are doing here. And uh, yeah, man, it's going to be a great week of some football. We'll see what happens. See if some of these uh, conference races can get a little more clarity. So thanks. I appreciate you having me. 100%. Make sure that you follow and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are on. And until next time, guys, we'll see you later.